Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. enjoy the game of golf but if I have to be honest I haven't played much lately and when people ask me so how's your golf game I can't lie to them I it's pretty bad how do I know that because I don't practice I don't play I don't do it very often and so when I do get out that one time a year for some Sheets for Christ tournament I'm hacking all over the place it's just not pretty the reason lack of practice I don't know a whole lot about golf I but I do know that you got to have your feet planted right, you got to have the right kind of grip, and you got to know how to turn your body and shift your weight at the right time. There's a lot of those things, but really the number one goal is to be able to practice so much that your swing can be repeated over and over, because it's such a precise thing. The same way in our walk with God. Just as we get frustrated in a game like golf because we don't practice, we can get frustrated in our walk with God if we don't put daily practice the spiritual disciplines prayer and fasting and Bible reading and Bible memorization and worship, if we don't do those things on a regular basis, we can become frustrated as believers and Christians and disciples of Jesus Christ. We're going to look this next series, The Discipleship Project, at practice makes perfect. And if we were called to be righteous, then we must practice those things and do those things that lead to righteousness. So join us for our next series as we look at how practice makes perfect. You'll stand for the reading of the word of the Lord this morning. I'm going to turn to Acts chapter number two today. Acts chapter number two today. And as uh, that portrayed to us today, our series for the next four weeks will be uh, Practice Makes Perfect. However, and I, I always uh, list different things like that in my uh, personal calendar and what's going on or series that I have going on on particular days. And so rather than right now all those things because you're just given a small little square you understand so you can, it's not like you can put a whole lot in there so I just put PMP in there and uh, Trevor was looking at my calendar the other day and he said dad what in the world is PMP you know and I said well that's series doing on Sundays in the month of October called practice makes perfect and he said dad he said practice never makes perfect he said practice just makes progress and so we probably need to edit all of that Uh, That practice actually makes progress, but that's what we're trying to achieve around here progress I know that we'll never reach perfection in this life. Amen, but only in the life to come, but we can uh, be somewhere at a uh, At a position further along the way than we are when we first begun Amen, and so that is what we are endeavoring to do this morning Acts chapter number two 
Amen. Today in verse number 46, just one verse. Let me get my calendar out of the way here this morning so it's not in my way. The Bible states these words in verse number 46. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. They continuing, everyone say daily, continuing daily. Many of us are familiar with what happened on in Acts 2 and that day of Pentecost, what we would call the birth of the church, 3,120 people uh, receiving the spirit of the Lord. But again, we oftentimes say that wasn't their diploma, that was their birth certificate. And so there is a continuing, a daily continuance of things in our lives uh, in order to further our walk with the Lord. I've not finished my journey yet. I've not finished my journey yet. The X number of years now that I've been living for the Lord, and that would be, I guess, 32, 32 since I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. My journey is not finished yet. There is still a lot uh, un. Uh, uh, uncharted waters that's before me that I still need to walk and discover. Let's pray today the Lord would have his way. We're going to talk specifically this morning about a community of devotion, a community of devotion. Father, I come to you today. I'm thankful, Lord Jesus, God, for your people that have gathered together on this Sunday morning. God, we want, Lord Jesus, to submit our lives to you and our hearts to you. God, to give you, Lord Jesus, of ourselves, Lord, in whatever measure or way, God, that we can. I pray, Lord, that you would help us, Lord Jesus, today, God, to learn from your word and understand your word. And God, give us, Lord Jesus, hope, Lord, I pray, God, Lord, for our tomorrow and the lives, God, that we live unto the Lord. God, I pray, Jesus, let your spirit, God, visit us in this house today and will not fail to thank you for it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen. The church say amen. Amen. You may be seated uh, this morning. <clears throat> a community, a community of Devotion, community of devotion. Uh, there, is, there is something that's with inside of the human race, inside of each and every one of us, and that is to desire to belong to something or to belong with a group of people. If, if most, I won't say all, but if most do not have that at some level, even within their own family, they feel as though something is, is missing. As a matter of fact, I would dare to say that there are people uh, even within our own city this morning, that they may have uh, some typical professions or careers that they feel accomplished in and have done well with each of them. But they even may have a few children, you know, the American dream of a picket fence and uh, a yard and two vehicles or whatever that may be. And yet there is still some of them that even this morning as they sit in their homes and we sit in here, they feel like something is missing. They feel like there is a void or a vacancy that is there. They are looking for, they are looking for meaning. Uh, the people search for it all over the place in different venues, but they are searching for meaning. And there may even be some this morning uh, that as the dynamic of the electronic world that we have today, you don't even have to go to a church to try out a church anymore because there's websites and there's Facebook, there's audio, there's video, there's podcasts. Uh, that people can listen into or plug in on if they're interested in trying to find a place to uh, plant their family. Uh, they can do a lot of research online about churches and institutions. And uh, whenever they do that, they may come to churches and, and, and they may experience different things. They might come to a church and 
Uh, they might believe that they're looking for that missing element in their life and they come and maybe, you know, the music is okay and maybe the message that the pastor preaches, you know, it's all right and uh, maybe it's not real easily defined where the restrooms are in the building and uh, they come in and, and though everybody though has been seemingly uh, friendly with them and inquired about who they are, where they live, what their job is and just be showing some interest in their life and they might try that one out and then go to another church and man, the, the music may be off the chain and they might have went away, you know, with something meaningful from the message that day, but nobody really perhaps maybe greeted them there or asked where they were from and they had to kind of find their own way to the nursery because they couldn't really get any information from anybody. And, and so there can be just two just entirely different types of settings and that people may come into whenever they come into the house of the Lord. But they're looking and they're searching for meaning. They know something is missing. And one of the things that is missing in our lives is, again, being connected to something. Folks, that's the reason why you have uh, today these different things like uh, the Eagles and the VFW and the Knights of Columbus and even Masonic Lodges and things like that. People gravitate to these things to have in order to be a part of a group of people. In order to have, we, we have, I know, by and large, the community of Mount Carmel, but there are communities within the community. There are the firefighters that meeting on that first Monday, uh, or the Monday or second one of, of the month. They're coming together. What They have formed a community among them. Uh, I, I, I dare to say that they know probably a little bit more about each other than just the common man because they have done runs together. They know a bit, a bit about each other's families, what maybe some of them may be struggling with. And what that has created is a community, even among a group of firemen. Uh, a church, though, likewise, First Apostolic Church should generate a community within a community that we can feel a part of one another's lives. And that's not just saying, well, I know him or I know her, but also knowing what's going on in each other's lives. You can sense, no doubt, different people that you're involved with, Brown, uh, different communities, all the different communities you're involved with. Brown has so many communities. But all the different communities he's involved with, he knows something about those people's lives. He can probably, if he spent enough time with them, can pick up on when everything's okay and when everything's not okay right because community and so a lot of times people are looking for community within the church a place to belong a place to uh, connect and in the western world probably predominantly than anything especially in today's society um, we have a tendency to view things as individuals we have a tendency to view things as individuals we're very individualistic over here in the western world and I believe a lot of our technology has helped aided that alone. Uh, sometimes we're not as community oriented as we are individualistic oriented. But whenever we understand that God established his church by his death and his burial and his resurrection, he did so so that he would bring together and network people of different races, creeds, languages, and countries, and he would network them into what we know to be the body of Christ. He was to bring those people, and if you even notice on the day of Pentecost, and this is amazing, and I think this, this should happen. I know it don't always happen, but there were 120 in the upper room, and the Spirit of the Holy Ghost filled all the house where they were sitting, and they experienced the Holy Ghost together. 
they, they had their new birth experience together. I understand sometimes it takes one here and two there, but it'd be great for people to experience that together because that forms, in reality, a community. But it didn't stop there. They continued daily into some disciplines and practices of, of fellowship and prayer and, and, and things of that nature because they had formed a community. They witnessed many things together. Look at the New Testament scripture. Many of the disciples and many of the people, whenever there were miracles done, they witnessed that together. Together they heard the command from the Lord before Pentecost ever came. Those disciples heard the command from the Lord, uh, tarry into Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Together they stood there as the Lord ascended into the heavens and they were watching that all taking place. Together in the upper room, together they were in that seven to ten day prayer meeting prior to the, the uh, infilling of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, together, together, together. And so that, in essence, is a gift that God gives to his church, and that is our community or our togetherness, our togetherness. Uh, it's been said, and I believe this is true, that today society is one of the most connected, disconnected societies in the world. So that's kind of... One of the most connected, disconnected, connected technologically, but disconnected in person-to-person contact. Because I'd rather text Mike Penrod than call him up on the phone or meet him in person. You understand what I'm saying? Why? Because it's convenient. Right? Everybody doing okay? It's convenient. And so we are one of the most connected, disconnected societies in the world. Amen. And as a result, I believe, though, we carry that sometimes over into the church and we view then as our participation in the church as being something that is solely independent. And so if we don't allow ourselves this thing of discipleship, the Lord had 12, this thing of discipleship, they ate together. I'm not asking us all to get a chalet down in the mountains and, you know, but I'm just saying they ate together. They slept at the same place. They were there at the same teaching. They were, same, they were there at all these same occurrences. They had the same practices in the discipleship practice. They were independent people, yes, but the Lord had bound them together with a glue through discipleship so that they could experience some things together. And they, they, they got away from just the individual mindset or the go-at-it-alone mindset. They were in the body of Christ, the church, if you will, of Christ together. And that was the design of the Lord for us to do some things together. Another thing to consider is this. As we search the scriptures for our practices, rather than common culture, we find that discipleship in the New Testament happened when the people were together. Now, disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. What do you think could be some of the things that would cause us to avoid being together as is a disciple of Jesus Christ? Here's one that I think that maybe would cause us to want to repel from being together. And that is because when you come together with a group of people, you subject yourself to judgment, hurt, pain, sorrow. But that's the negative lens. At the same thing, you can say your joy is doubled. You understand what I'm talking about? Sometimes we don't want to be involved in community because of we might have to practice a forgiveness for offenses that will happen but that is that is the thing that you got to expose yourself to whenever you're talking about coming together as a body in the book of Ephesians the apostle Paul 
illustrated to the church that there was a five-fold ministry of apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. And he made it clear that, that their job description was for the equipping or the perfecting of the saints and then the saints, the work of the ministry, and then that work of the ministry overall helped the body of Christ, to edify the body of Christ. But he came to a point, he says, that's to happen until we are all unified in the faith, until we are matured in Christ. But it requires each and every one of us in order to bring that about. Look what the scripture says in Ephesians chapter number four in verse number 16. He says, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself. So he's talking about individual members here along the way, uh, fitly joined, every joint is supplying, they are working, every, a measure of every part, but your work, my work, your involvement, my involvement, each one of us is our contribution, maketh increase of the body. Make of increase of the whole mechanism of this community or the church for the edifying of itself in love. And so while Paul emphasized that it's important for each one of us to grow, he wanted to underscore as each one of us grow, that causes the whole body together to grow. That as each one of us advance, that causes the body as a whole to advance. Meaning that as the old saying is, no man is an island by himself that we are connected to part of one another. And so then whenever you grow, that, that spawns me and helps me grow. All right? Or if you can look at it through the negative lens as well, if I refuse to go grow, that may be somewhat of a hindrance for the whole totality of the body. Amen. In order to advance as well. So whenever we look at the scripture, there's a lot of emphasis then on the overall advancement of the entire body uh, uh, of Christ. Uh, you know, it wasn't, I think it's been within the past few years. You remember whenever we had the little Zika virus thing, you know, that go through in the, in the United States and everybody was talking about the, the Zika uh, virus. And one of the sad effects of the Zika virus was upon newborns or those that were still even yet in the womb. And what it caused was that a newborn or one that was still yet developing in the, in the womb, it caused disproportionate growth, meaning there might be one part of their a body of an infant that may grow quicker or further and mature quickly more quickly than another body of uh, of the infant or another part of the body and so they were telling mothers that were pregnant with unborn children of course you know protect yourself because we know that health is when all the members of the body grow in proportion to one another could you imagine growing up and your hand is adult size at age 12 i'm just saying you know that there's something that's not quite right about that because they should grow in concert. They should grow at the same speed along uh, with, 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 with all the other uh, people. There was, there was one person just talking about this. You know, you get into teenage years, and boy, I'm thinking about those junior hires, such a hard time of life uh, because there are so many different stages uh, that they are in. Uh, some are really tall. Uh, some are short and not yet hit the growth spurt. Uh, some guys are starting to get hair on their face and, and they're wondering what in the world. And there's others that's just peach, you know, peach fuzz. And so it's a very peculiar time of life. You need to pray for them. Uh, yeah, 
you know, the voices are starting to change, others are not. So there's a lot of things that going on. And I remember hearing a story one time, there's, and it, it, it might be Lucas James. Uh, there was a young man that was very, very tall according to his age, but he was only five years old. And uh, he had uh, strangers all the time coming up to him and attempting to have conversations uh, with him because they assumed he was much older than he was. And whenever they received a response, they received a five-year-old's response when they were expecting a 10-year-old response. But it's just his body, uh, his, his mental and everything capacity hadn't caught up with his physical capacity of, of what was going on. But in the body of Christ, the objective is that we mature at the same rate. And the Paul, Apostle Paul expected this, amen, even in Scripture, that the entire church, and I think this is important, I know we say, well, everybody's at different levels, and that is true. But overall, I think the Lord's desire and design is for us as a church to mature together. To mature together. And how do we do that? Well, we, we take initiative in helping, provoking each other to grow. Provoking each other to grow, whether purposefully, consciously, or unconsciously. What are you saying? I'm saying... Consciously, maybe, because we're really saying, hey, brother, you know, whatever, trying to help somebody. But unconsciously, because by the way that you live your life, here's what happens. You will sometimes convict people by just the way you live. And that is my, my this is my assumption, the reason why some people disconnect from the church. Are you listening to me? Disconnect from the church because going to the community of believers makes them feel as though they need to be maturing. No one said anything, but just being there, witnessing and taking in the growth in people's lives makes them feel like maybe I need to be growing and they don't want to take the steps. So they disconnect from the community. You hearing what I'm saying? They disconnect from the community because they feel challenged by the environment. They feel challenged by the church and it trying to grow and to mature on. Whenever we look at the early followers of the Lord, uh, togetherness was the nature of discipleship. Togetherness was. The Bible says in Acts 2 and verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church Daily, such as should be saved. The Lord added to the church. Here's the grand thing about the Pentecostal experience in the book of Acts. It did not leave individuals alone in their experience. Did not leave them alone in their experience. But rather those that experienced the same things that the others had experienced, they were added to the body of Christ. They were added to the church. That is our objective here. We don't want someone to receive the experience of God and them not to be added to the church. If you have somebody come to the church and experience the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fill into the Holy Ghost, we don't need them to be an island by themselves. We need to add them to the church. That's the reason why in some respects we try, and there are certain levels, we try to find things that people can do, amen, when they've just started their relationship with God. Why? Because part and parcel, that is one way that we can add them to the body of believers, add them to the church. And what does that do when you add them then? Then as we grow, that's going to spawn, hopefully, wanting to grow in their own personal life. Amen. And so whenever Luke pinned the words there in Acts chapter number 2 and verse 47 about adding to the church daily such as should be saved, 
he realized all along the way that especially the 12 disciples that the Lord kind of pulled out as his own, that they were together in all those things of witnessing miracles, praying in the garden of Gethsemane with the Lord, the teachings that he gave to them. They experienced that discipleship together. Amen. They experienced the outpouring of the Holy Ghost together. And if you notice in, in, in Acts 2 and verses 1, like 1 through 4, notice how it is. You have those, those pronouns, if you will, plural pronouns. Now when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were, with all, were, with, were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as fire and it set upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them the utterance that is what we need to experience every time we come to church we need it we it needs to be the Holy Ghost fell upon them in that Sunday morning service and everybody felt the Spirit of God and they felt empowered and they were healed or they were commissioned or they we need and I understand you can be in a room full of people and feel all alone. Whether by virtue of all the other members making you feel like that or as though you just have some type of attitude thing that you make yourself like that. But we need to be a part of this community because the first outpouring of the Holy Ghost was a community experience. Folks, whenever we go into prison every time, thus far, it's been a community experience. It's been a community experience. They pray together and they receive the Spirit together. Amen. And hopefully the discipleship of their life is going to continue together. Now, you're saying, Brother McGee, no one can receive the Holy Ghost alone. No, it's happened. There have been people who went home, knelt down to bed, repented. The Holy Ghost found them. Boom. It took place. I'm saying that absolutely can happen. But although we may have an individual receiving of the Holy Ghost, whenever we talk about discipleship, when we talk about growing, amen, that needs to take place together. Amen. The disciples prior to receiving the Holy Ghost, they learned together. Amen. He ministered to a crowd that day. Look at Peter. If you look at him, whenever he ministered, he didn't even do it alone. The Bible says, and he's standing with the eleven. He's standing with the 11. This, this is not Pastor McGee's ministry up here. I know you're all not standing with me right now. But in spirit, I'm hoping that you're making a connection. Well, as I'm, as I'm teaching up here today, I'm not doing it alone. Stand with the 11. Amen. And that's vitally, vitally, vitally important that we do that. And so he stood up with the 11. It took place in community. Peter did not go with the message by himself, but he went with the other 11. And why is that important that we would have community in ministry or in the church? Number one, we can support one another. Number two, we can be accountable to one another. Doing ministry together is a prime example why we say it's such important for Peter standing with the 11 because of the old arch thing of Matthew writing in Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. And that's the reason why we come to Acts 2. And Peter says, as he stood with the 11, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the reason why we say then, see, ministry done in community. If 
Peter was stating that. Matthew was there. Matthew, being a good man, would have pulled on his, his coattail if he was doing it wrong and saying it wrong, but he didn't. It brought accountability because they were both speaking about the same thing. The name Jesus is where you should be baptized. So there's protection. There's accountability in community. Amen. We see that over and over again. Look at this verse of Scripture, will you? Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27. Look at this. He says, only let your conversation. This is the Apostle Paul here. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Boy, you could just spend some. This isn't this lesson, but you could spend some time on that phrase right there. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Somebody take that home, put it on your refrigerator. Amen. That whether I come and see you, this is Paul speaking to the church of Philippi, whether I come and see you or else be absent, says whether I'm there, whether I'm not there, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit and with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. See, when you are truly a part of community and you have accountability both support and challenge in that the idea is this even me as a pastor hopefully when i'm here or whenever i'm not that you are still striving because you know i'm connected to this place and i'm connected to you as a people and the, that hopefully i'll hear then that whenever i wasn't there last sunday or whenever it was that you all just came together still yet went forward and did the things of god see it allows us ministry together allows accountability amen to each other each one of us and it unifies our faith it unifies our efforts how many times in scripture and we've done bible studies on this we i did the one another series but what are all i went back today and just looked at them again uh, this morning all the phrases in scripture that denote if you will that community or that togetherness continuing ye also ought to wash one another's feet that ye love one another that's used a lot in the bible be kindly affection one to another in honor preferring one another receive ye one another admonish one another salute one another greet one another by love serve one another bear ye one another's burdens forbearing one another in love forgiving one another comfort one another edify one another exhort one another now i can't fulfill all those mandates in scripture by myself one another Amen. It involves community. It involves coming together. <laughs> now, as I said earlier, when we talk about this, look at this. Look what community brings. Now, when they, underline, heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? There's something about being together, being the community, that sometimes brings conviction. Brings conviction. Because it brings, it heightens, here it is, it heightens our awareness of our spiritual need. Amen. It really does. It, that's the reason why, uh, Bishop, and I love being a part of this community. It's the reason why I love to go to my district functions 
because that's another community. It's why I go to the national functions. That's another community uh, because sometimes I can get lost just in the church here at 1121 Cedar Street. You understand? And the community we got here, but the community we have here is a part of a bigger community. Part of a bigger community. God's church uh, isn't just summed up to 1121 Cedar Street. God's church uh, goes beyond state lines, goes beyond waterways, goes into third world countries. And when we as a church broaden our world view, we don't just get caught up in Terry McGee, Fred McGee, Brown. And we broaden our world view and see that we're a part of something bigger than just this, then that can sometimes influence our awareness of where we are as a church in the kingdom of God. I'm not talking about how you compare yourselves among yourselves, you're not wise. No, I'm talking about spawning each other, as the scripture says, spawning each other onto perfection. Spawning each other all onto growth. There's things that I hear outside of here in, in other functions that I go to that, that challenge me to be better here. You understand what I'm saying? Challenge me to be better here. Because if I just, all that I'm ever exposed to is here, then I, I get in my mindset, Brother, Brother Terry, that I've reached a climax. I can just sit back and settle on my laurels. Man, we're doing great. But whenever I go somewhere else and I hear what's taking place there or going on, then it's like, hey, I can grow a little bit more. I can do better. Uh, you, you guys, some of you guys go around, Brown in particular, you go around to all these different seminars and things and you teach or you're either being taught to. How many times have you went to one of those things and come back home and viewed, viewed your own fire department, how you do something and you changed it? Why? Because you, you, you were exposed to something that you thought you were doing good, but you exposed something just a little different that, you know what, it might be better if we try this. Everyone just shake your head. Amen. That's all a part of being a part of community. And so there were challenges. Even in our worship, I know this is a big one, right? We need to be community. You read Psalms 34, verse number 3, whenever David says, look what he says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let, operative word here, us. Let us exalt his name together. What is that? Community worship. Community worship. Really? It's great that whenever, man, we, we don't want anybody to have to raise their hands around here alone. We don't want anybody to have to be praying at an altar by themselves. We don't want anybody to have to be standing at any point in time by themselves. Worship is a community. We don't want anybody to have to be early at the prayer room praying by themselves. Amen. It's a community endeavor. Amen. Now, here's the thing. People don't always appreciate the awareness that the community brings. <laughs> you know, don't always appreciate the awareness that it brings. Because sometimes it brings an awareness. It don't have to be spoken just by being there. It brings an awareness of a mistake or something that we have done, you know, that hasn't been exactly right. But again, that's part and parcel of the accountability that it brings to our lives. And we need that. By being around our brothers and sisters in Christ, we need that. Can someone say amen. So whenever we're involved, though, in this situation, I may mention of it earlier, when we're involved in this situation with one another, what this means is we are provoked to practice love 
one to another because we're in this setting. We are provoked to practice forgiveness because we're in this setting. And by and large, you get two people in one setting long enough, sooner or later, one's going to offend the other. I don't care if they're besties. <laughs> you have them in a situation where they spend time together day in, day out, eat, drink, whatever. Sooner or later, somebody's going to find the last nerve and stand on it. And though in that, though, comes then the practice of forgiveness. God tempered his body, many members, yet one body together. Because there's some lessons we can only learn in the arena of being a body or a community. How to love, how to forgive, how to tolerate, how to be kind. Huh? It's hard, it's hard really to learn all those things if you're just some hermit isolated in your own world and you never have any interaction. But you throw yourself in an environment where you got to deal with other people. And remember that you're a person too. Just remember this. If anybody ever gets on your nerves, know this. You have gotten on somebody's nerves. too. If you've ever felt like you've been offended, know this. You have offended someone too. That, see, that's the healthy part of, 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 of community. If you ever felt like, man, I got to forgive again, just understand someone felt like they had to forgive you beyond what they was necessary to. That's the great thing about the body of Christ. That's the great thing about community. Amen. And so what it does, what community does, it solidifies us going forth. Community, discipleship, it solidifies our future movement, our future involvement. Amen. Going forward. The Bible says, as our key verse this morning, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, and breaking of bread in prayers. They had an experience, but their continuance was safeguarded in the community that they had one with the other. Amen. And sometimes the disciples struggle to realize that their continuation was really, was really made possible because they were together. Is it, is it really all that important? Well, let's see what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes. These are verses of Scripture that you've heard before. But Ecclesiastes 4 and verse number 9, they will not be up there. But if you have a Bible... Uh, the book of Ecclesiastes is in there. Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter number four and verse number nine. Two, everybody say two, are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat, which is just a basic idea conveying, just get real generic with it. It's just an idea that's conveying that you benefit from another. Two lie together, there is heat. They have heat, but how can one be warm alone? Verse 12 says, and if one prevail against him, two Shall withstand. In other words, if one gets by pretty good by himself, I wonder how much more exponentially that's going to come if there's two of them. It's kind of like the Old Testament scripture. One will put a thousand to flight, but two will put ten thousand. Amen. He said, so if, if one's going to prevail, then the other, the other will withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly, it's not like it's impossible, but it's not quickly broken. And so as you intensify the number, 
you intensify the advantage. You intensify the ability. You intensify the strength. You intensify the comfort. You intensify. You understand what I'm saying? You, you, you. I, I love man, and we got we. It's it's needful. It's necessary. You need to practice disciplines of personal prayer time by yourself. But folks, I love corporate prayer. I love that whenever I'm praying, I can hear another voice over on a third Thursday of the month somewhere in the sanctuary praying, and then I hear that another voice join in and another jo- voice jo- join in. You know what that does to me? That doesn't make me want to cower in a corner somewhere and keep my mouth shut. No, makes me want to engage that much more because there is, to a certain degree, power that's in numbers. It just, man, there's like, man, it just all of a sudden, boom, the voices of God's people are crying out. His body is longing for him. That's important. That's important. Look, look at this verse of scripture. Romans chapter number one, verse number 11. I can get there. Romans one, verse number 11. The Bible says, for I long to see you. This is Paul. This is Paul. What he's doing here in these verses, he's underscoring the value of community, of being a part of the body of Christ, being a part of one another. He says, for I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. To the end, ye may be established. Look here. He says, I long to see you so I can impart something to you, spiritual gift, that you may be established. Now, if we all come with that mind frame together that we're wanting to impart, you're not just imparting, then you're also receiving. And the purpose of the impartation and you also receive an impartation from someone else then is for the purpose that they may be that they may be established. Look at it now that I may be that I may be comforted together with you. There it is by the mutual faith, both of you and me. What's, what's, what are you saying, Paul? Paul's saying, I'm benefited by us coming together. It's not about just what I give, but it's about also what I receive. And so when we come together as the body of Christ, we can't come just with the spirit of consumerism. Of consumerism. We got to come with, how can I help? And in the process of coming with the attitude of how can I help, you yourself are helped. Does that make sense? Amen. That happens, though, in the body here of Christ. Look at it. Go on to Romans chapter 15. I have it up here. Now I beseech you, now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit that ye strive. Here's the admonition that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. Look down just a little further. Look down just a little further. Verse 32. That I may come unto you with joy by the will of God and may with you be. Look at that. He says, I, I want us to strive together in prayers for me. But, you know, Lord, help us that we forget not to pray for one another, that we can strive together in prayers. Because he says, then whenever we come together with joy by the will of God, he says, we, we are. You and I, I may be refreshed alongside with you. 
there is a refreshing that happens when we come together. It's every joint supplieth, as the scriptures already said. Every joint contributes. We are freshed when we come together. Amen. And the New Testament disciples understood that. They understood that their strengths were stronger when together. Their victories were more celebratory whenever they were together. Their experiences were greater when they were together. We are, God's made us a body. Whenever you go to Matthew, I believe it is chapter 5 that lists the Beatitudes and such, the Sermon on the Mount. Among the Sermon on the Mount is the disciples asking the Lord, Lord, teach us to pray. And the Lord said, when you pray, say, our He didn't say, when you pray, say, my Father, which is art in heaven. No, he says, when you pray, say, our. Why? He said, because when you open your mouth and pray, I want you to understand there's a greater scope of the body. It's not just you. There's a greater scope of the body that we're taking in. And whenever you even read then through the Lord's Prayer, you don't find those singular pronouns. It's the plural pronouns that you see over and over again throughout the Scripture. Give us this day our daily bread right lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil deliver us did you catch that one <laughs> deliver us from evil so even whenever he's teaching his his disciples to pray and again you we've taught the whole what's known as the lord's prayer but it was really the disciples prayer we've taught on all, all that it's not about just you know echoing and saying that prayer in general but what was the lord doing he said when you pray you need to have the body in mind mm -hmm. when you pray you need to have the bigger picture of the body in mind because in essence think about it again just those first two words our father whenever you state father in just a, in, a, in a figurative sense if i came over here and said in a natural sense well, our father, well, you know what that denotes. I have siblings. I have siblings. And so whenever I go to the Lord in prayer, I need to remember I got some siblings. Amen? I have some siblings, and I am refreshed. I'm refreshed by them. So why is it difficult then for us to pursue this? Why is it difficult for us to be involved many times within a church or within? A, I mean, if it's so beneficial, why is it difficult? I'll tell you why. I believe one of the reasons is it is difficult. It's because our enemy also knows the benefits of it, and he doesn't want us to receive any of them. And so he would rather us disengage than engage because he knows overall the body and the members that are part of the body are going to benefit by being together. So if you want to know why he wants to put a schism here and gossip there and this over here, it's because the enemy even knows the benefits of the body working together. Amen. See, because that the thing is, he doesn't know the strength of the togetherness. Because in the New Testament church, whenever persecution then came against the church, what happened? The Bible says they scattered all over the place. They weren't in Jerusalem anymore, but they were scattered to Cappadocia. They were scattered over here in Spain. They were scattered here and there. And the very thing that he was trying to prevent, he just made that much stronger because there were more people then that came to know God in various areas, and all it did was cause the body to grow. I say let's turn this thing on the head of the adversary. What he's trying to prevent, let's just make it just happen. Amen. And be the unified body of Christ and love and appreciate one another. 
So benefiting from it then, just as well as anything else, benefiting from it is meant to be reciprocated. And that goes back to all of those one another scriptures. Look at Acts chapter number 2 and verses 44 and 45. And all that believed were together and had all things common. Sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. As every man had need. So there's, there's a reciprocating. Again, it's as Paul said, not just imparting, but there was others then that was going to come with the mind frame to impart. And as a result of that, he was going to receive, be refreshed, be built up by everybody. When the lawyer approached Jesus in Luke chapter number 10, and there's the story, the Good Samaritan story that, that spawned from this. The question that was asked by the lawyer basically was this. He wanted to know who his neighbor was. And so that's whenever Christ went to the story of the Good Samaritan. And in that parable that he gave, he wasn't given per se a description about what a neighbor was or a particular race or how, how far out, how many miles you go out, does that consider to be your neighbor? He wasn't talking about nationalities, he wasn't talking about ages, any of that stuff. But instead, Jesus was just teaching in the story how to be neighborly, how to be neighborly, how to supply the need of someone that was in need. Amen. And so I think it was displaying for us even in our own communities. It's not about, well, are they really a, are they really a member of the First Apostolic Church? Let's, let's qualify this. Have they signed the bylaws? No. It's the idea of just knowing how to be neighborly to people that are in need. Was amen. Something else that at least should, when we operate within the church, operate within a church, within a community, and I've alluded to this, it shouldn't make us aware of other people's needs within our community. Because I know this is very generic, but before we can minister to need, we got to be aware of need. Right? How many times have you ever said, well, if I'd known that, I'd helped. Or if I, you know, if I knew you were stranded out on the highway, I'd come and brought, you know, whatever. Well, I didn't know you didn't have any food. If I'd known it, I'd da-da-da. I've said those very own words myself, so... You know, you got to be aware of need before you can help need. But a good way to be aware of need is whenever we are around each other. Let me state this, and this is just this. Whenever we are around each other, even beyond within the context of a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. <laughs> Listen, look at your neighbor and just tell them it's fun to be around you. Come on. Um, I know. Does anybody not have a busy life? There wouldn't be a hand go up in this place. Wouldn't be a hand go up in this place. You know, anything that you do tomorrow, you're, you're neglecting doing something else in the process of doing it. Is that right? Brother Mason rode with me yesterday uh, to go to that, that men's conference I preached at. I guarantee you, and I told him whenever we got home, I, I thanked him for going and appreciate it. I said, because I know you probably had a myriad of things that you could have been doing in lieu of a two-hour drive to somewhere, service. I stayed a little bit to fellowship with the guys because they had some food afterwards downstairs to be proper and a two-hour trip home. We left at 9. We got back home when? Go, go, going around 5 o'clock. So that's a good little chunk of time. 
And I know he, I mean, anybody that's going, going to school for his doctorate, teaching adjunct classes as a professor online, you know, vice president of company, try to do stuff around your church, have family, blah, 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 blah. You know, administrative pastor, so and so, he has something else to do besides going with me. But he did. He wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't, please, everybody understand the spirit I'm saying this. I'm not throwing off on anybody that didn't go with me, okay? I'm not, my feelings ain't hurt. I don't know. I'm just saying, I'm trying to prove a point here that, that it wasn't our Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday night service, but he made a point just to travel with his pastor on a little trip to go hear me preach, and he hears me every time I get up here and stand. You know, and what are you saying? I'm saying community goes beyond just the context of the church. By and large, you don't have a real good chance to get to know each other during a church service. By and large. This past little prison trip we went on, it was a lot of fun. There were several of us that were flying into the same airport. And so we still had a two-hour drive south to get to where we were located. And so we had a 15-passenger van that was smashed packed with us and our luggage for two hours down. It was so much fun. We learned so much about each other, had so many laughs, trip there and trip back because in that 15-passenger van for a two-hour trip there and back and spending all day together in prison formed a community. I could have rented my own vehicle. Me and my wife drove individually. And I would have left there not knowing much more about some of those people who was the first time going in, much more about them than anything because I'd separate myself. We come to church with each other a lot of times on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, but I'm not really convinced how much we really know each other. Even as a church, we try to provide opportunity where we can have that. And then some don't even take advantage of it. I'm not, I'm not punching people in the face over it, but I'm saying that is just as vital as important as you showing up here on Sunday morning as worshiping God together, being able to get to know each other outside of the spectrum of church. Amen. Here, here's a good case in point. Can anybody tell me something typical that brown brings on family game night you know the people who said that are the people that are usually there Mike Perry you know what he brings a lot on family game night a lot of times he'll bring some deer sauces and some cheese and I know that because I show up now someone could get real jealous and say well that's not fair that they know he brings that. But when you show up, it's about, you know, it's about beyond even the spectrum of being in church, forming relationships outside that we can bring here inside, amen, the church. It's all about our, our community devotion, prayer, oh yes, fasting, yes, worship, yes. Sometimes, though, you just need the devotion of breaking bread. They continued steadfastly in breaking bread and fellowship. That didn't always happen in the context 
of the synagogue. You know what that happened at? In the home. Someone say amen. <laughs> in the home. Now, I can't say anything. I've been fed a lot this week. Nobody stayed around to eat with me, no. no I'm just joking. I, just, I wasn't even home when the, Sister Sheila and Angie brought their stuff. I was sitting with the family at a hospital or at a, a nursing facility all day. Um, thank you. I had some noodles last night, by the way, as a snack. I don't know if they're supposed to be a snack, but they were for me last night. Uh, they were a snack. Amen. I appreciate that. Um, so again, that, that, I'm already stamping all over this. So discipleship community goes beyond a given day. It goes beyond a given location. It goes on beyond a given location. Again, they continued daily with one accord in the temple, but they broke bread from house to house. From house to house. And so we need that. I've been up here long, haven't I? I'm sorry. Stand with me and I'll shut up. See, being part of the community makes you aware of the time. <laughs> People start to stretch and rub their bellies. Hunger growls happen on stomachs out there. So, you know. We want to challenge us as a church. And I really want to do that. I want to challenge us as a church to be a part of the body of Christ, not just through our prayer and our worship and our attendance here. I want to challenge us. And if you could make some type of uh, endeavor to really try this. Try to nurture community of being the body of Christ outside of the church. How do we do that? Let me tell you something. Find some times we're all busy. Okay, we've already, we've already decided that. You know, that's established. We're all busy. But I challenge us, let's, let's try to create opportunities outside the church. Whenever I invite you to go somewhere with me to eat or even to my home to play some games or just to set around a fire, What's the big deal? Let me tell you something. You, you give it a 30-day you give it a 30-day try, and I guarantee you that will even impact then the services that we have here on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday. I'm serious. I can tell you the times in, in years gone by where we've traveled together, even just to go to fellowship meetings and places and bands and had some hee haul times, folks. I mean, just a blast. Just had a blast. And you know what that did then for just being and coming together in service? Because whenever you like being around somebody, you like being around somebody. I'm serious. Uh, I know, and here, this is kind of me, uh, Brother Terry and Sister Rhonda, this coming weekend is going to be doing some moving. They published it on Facebook, so I'm not saying anything that's like a secret. Let me tell you, if you don't, if you don't want it to be a secret, don't put it on, don't put it on Facebook. I'm telling you right now. But they're, they're going to be moving from their, their old residence to their new residence. They, they, they asked for some help if they could. They te- I, I told them already we weren't going to be able to help. We're taking field to Carmi for some things. But if there's anybody in this church that can help them, that would be a good time to connect with the body outside of church. And I know they'd be appreciative of it. But let me tell you something else is going to happen. You're going to have a blast. You're going to have a blast. How many times we have broken pipes around here, something that was just hideous. But we worked together. You know what? It was fun. Everything might not have been going away. Might not have had the right parts to fix it, so on and so forth. But it was fun. We ate together. We laughed together. Huh? And you know what I found out? It's not about when the times, even when you have fun. But I found in times of sorrow, when loved ones have died, there's been those same people that you laughed with, you cried with. That's what makes a church. It really is. That's what makes a church.
Amen. Well, practice makes perfect, or as Trevor says, it makes progress. And so we'll never reach the, the level of perfection, but if we can just make some progress, I think it'd be beneficial for our lives. Can we bow our heads in this place? I'll close here this morning with prayer. Let's just ask God to help us today. God, help us to be the church. God, you have called us and we have had this great experience of the Holy Ghost in filling. But God, help us to continue steadfastly. Prayer together, yes. Corporate worship, absolutely. God, in coming together, Lord Jesus, with message of your word going forth, yes. But God, even outside of the context of the building called the church, help us to make interaction, Lord, with our friends and our family and the church as a body outside of these doors. Lord, form, Lord, relationships. God, that we can help one another and aid one another, enjoy one another's company. God, we have a eternity in heaven. God, to spend together. Lord, there's nothing wrong with being acquainted or down here on earth before that day ever comes. I pray, oh Lord Jesus, challenge us, Lord, in our lives and our spirits. God, if we are going to love one another, it's going to take more than just me. God, if we are going to, Lord, just be mindful of bearing one another's burdens, then it's going to take more than just me by myself. Forgiving one another, God, it forces me in this community, this body called the church, God, to practice those disciplines, God, that you want, Lord, to be a parent, God, in your body. Lord, in your word says, by this shall all men know that they are my disciples that they have loved one toward another one toward another God we want to exemplify that Lord to the world we want to exemplify that God to the society of large God that may not be a part of a body that may not be a part of a church God let it be Lord that drawing card let it be that drawing power that they witness and see in the life of the church that says you know what that's what I need that's the meaning I'm looking for I want to be a part of something like that hallelujah hallelujah can the church say amen can I say today honey if if they're going to if they're going to join a community of of per se the eagles my god why can't why can't we be enticing enough that they would join the church huh if five guys can get together at 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 mcdonald's every morning at the same time and drink coffee why can't we create a community called the church that someone would want to be a part of amen god bless you today in jesus name amen come back tonight at six amen god bless you all thank you for listening If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.